0: Do you worry about tomorrow? Does the future feel uncertain? Is the past too painful to bear? Focus on the Family Canada is here to help, so you never have to walk alone. Every morning, our staff lift up your prayer requests. If your burdens are too much to carry on your own, you can request a free, one-time call with one of our counselors at focusonthefamily.ca today. That's focusonthefamily.ca. We're here to help.
1: While we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And it says, how are we supposed to love one another like that? While you know, while Marilyn's not a sinner, I'm to die for her. While I'm a sinner, Marilyn's to die for me. Why? Because our marriage is so much bigger than just us having more happy. Our marriage is about bringing God glory and putting Jesus Christ on display. Yeah. Well,
0: that's Brad Rhodes, and he's our guest today on Focus on the Family, along with his wife, Marilyn. And uh, we're so glad you've joined us. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, we had a great discussion last time. If people missed it, they can
2: get the smartphone app and listen to it that way or go to the website for Focus on the Family. You give all those details. YouTube, we have it there as well. So go listen to it. It really, uh, to me, it was very insightful about where many marriages are at today. We come in very selfishly, even as the Christian community, because we're born into sin. Mm -hmm. And uh, we come into this with expectations, and we end up in performance-based marriages that are conditional rather than grace marriages, uh, which are, you know, the, the Lord's way of doing it. Mm. And uh, I'm just looking forward to part two
0: of this discussion about the grace marriage. Yeah, and Brad and Marilyn Rhodes have such a big heart for this effort to protect and improve and transform marriages. Uh, They started a ministry designed to help local churches strengthen marriages right there in their own communities. That's called Grace Marriage, and they have a book with a similar title, The Grace Marriage, How the Gospel and Intentionality Transform Your Relationship. And uh, as you said, Jim, they shared some great stories last time. And uh, if you missed any of that or want to learn more about the book, give us a call, 800-the-letter-A-in-the-word-family or uh, stop by our website, that's focusonthefamily.ca.
2: Brad Marilyn, welcome back. Oh, thank you. Thank you for So good me. to have you back. Marilyn, let's go your direction just for the recap. Uh, you know, we did talk about a performance-based conditional marriage and then grace marriage. Uh, give us that performance recap. What does that look like so that the listener or the viewer can feel it if they're in it?
3: Yes. Well, in a performance-based, if Brad's kind to me, responsive to me then i'll be kind to him and we'll have a good evening together but if not then i'm going to withdraw distance myself we all bring our personalities to the table some might lash out and fight but we we bring that to the table in a performance-based marriage but in a grace-based marriage when brad walks in and maybe he's not as kind to me i think whoa he's had a tough day i'm going to take that rescue approach and move towards him Rather than that natural response to move away from, even remind myself of verses like, Well, I was a sinner, Christ died for me. Okay, and right now, I'm going to lay down my life for my spouse. It's humility. Humility is the whole key. I mean, Christ was the ultimate servant. And that's that's a good good
2: recap. You know, we have Hope Restored, which is a marriage intensive. It's been really successful. We're expanding it. We just. Uh, have property developing in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, and then down in Texas. We have Branson in Michigan already up and running, and we lease a building out there in uh, Rome, Georgia. So uh, a lot of couples are looking for help. And the reason I'm bringing this up is there's a question that they ask in the intake process, and that is, do you believe God can work a miracle in your marriage? And if, if they say yes, then that gives us great hope that there's um, the possibility of saving that marriage. If they say no, the probability is quite low. But usually the wife will say something like this, Marilyn, and I think you can identify, yeah, the the Lord's the only one that can help my husband because nobody else would be able to. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. But it, you resonate with that statement? Yes. And, yes. You know, just, uh, yeah, God's the only one that's going to be able to change his heart because he's such a rascal.
3: Mm-hmm. Right? And that's right. But God is a God of reconciliation. And marriage is the opportunity to put that on display.
2: Do you know? Let me ask you, Brad. You think about marriage today if marriage, especially Christian marriage, was working really well, not perfectly, but really well, if we were doing the things that you talk about in your book, The Grace Marriage, if we were living from a fruit of the spirit mentality in our marriages, loving each other well. It should be so attractive, the world be going, what do they possess that, mm-hmm. that we don't have, because I want a marriage like theirs. Mm-hmm. That's the way it
1: should be going. It's, it's powerful. It's how we got in marriage ministry. By God's kindness, we like being married. In <laughs> the first couple at do premarital, we said, why us? They said, we want what you have. That looks fun. And right now, the way we do marriage in our culture, it is broken. We don't spend time on it. We don't work on it. We let life take us over, and then we scratch our heads why it doesn't work. So we need a total paradigm shift in how marriage is done. So when you get married, you talk every day. You date weekly. You both open about issues with one another and say, look, we are a team, and we're going to live out a beautiful marriage for our good, the glory of God, and our family. And then your point there to work on it, that's the key. I mean, you got
2: like anything, you got to work at it every day.
1: Yeah, and it's Fun work. I mean, like work is going to dinner and a movie and hanging out with Marilyn, you know, going to walk the river three miles with my best friend. I mean, marriage work's the best work I do because I love spending time with Marilyn. Is it always perfect? No. Do we always get along? No. But would I rather spend time with her than anybody else in the world? Yes. Yes.
2: No, that's good. And I think that attitude is so good. Uh, When it comes to marriage, why do we need to ground our identity in Christ? We touched on that last time, but I want to come back for the new listeners and viewers today. I mean, it is so critical because I think of the expectations that we ground ourselves in our identity with the Lord rather than our spouse, expecting our spouse to meet all these needs. But
1: elaborate on that. Jesus is consistent and reliable 100% of the time. Yeah. I'm not even close. Right. A lot of times Marilyn needs me, and I'm not there like I should. A lot of times I feel like I need Marilyn, and she's struggling, not there like I need her. But if unless we are relying on Jesus Christ for all our hope, our marriage is going to be on a roller coaster. Because... I'd like to be the perfect husband. Marilyn would love to be the perfect wife, but neither one of us are. But Jesus is the perfect lover of our soul, and he's consistent 100% of the time. So our identity and our fulfillment has to come in from him, and then out of that overflow, love Marilyn and just see the gift of marriage as a blessing. And tell me the byproduct of that, Marilyn. When
2: we have our identity in Christ, how does that translate into our attitude, expectations of our spouse?
3: I think it. It brings a whole freedom to your marriage that you don't have when you're under performance because that's heavy. If you're weighing am I doing enough? If you're measuring yourself we also have to get this how we have grace from Christ to be able to then offer it to our spouse. But it changes the whole atmosphere in the home when you get grace. It did in ours. Mm. And it also allows you to get over things so much faster. Mm. You can have a bad night and laugh about it the next day. Mm. And so that is the beauty of grace. We're not holding our sin against each other. Yeah. We're not. It's not a jerk license that I'm going to just sit here and offer grace, and you can do whatever you want. That's not what grace is. But in the day to day life, when you're in a grace mentality, it it just changes. Yeah, everything. It changes attitude. It changes, changes outcomes
2: because of it. You have a friend Doug that made an impact on you. What did Doug
1: share with you that kind of got your attention? Well, it was really interesting. I was 43. He was 68. I was driven. I was performance-based in my walk with the Lord and everything. And he said, God told me to save you 25 years of trouble. (laughs) He said, because I see somebody striving, pressured, always trying to do more, always trying to do better. And I'm not going to leave you alone until you rest in Jesus Christ, until you just— Enjoy the Sabbath rest of Jesus until you realize you're just unconditionally accepted and can offer that to others. And he he went after me. He called me a moral narcissist, told me I used the Bible as a self-help guide. I mean, he he stayed with me Mm -hmm. until when then all of a sudden it's for freedom Christ set us free, easy burden, light yoke, rested soul, Sabbath rest of Christ. All of a sudden, that became a reality. And it's almost Mm -hmm. like I heard God say, Brad, you're not okay. And it's okay. I love you. You're my son. I was like, for the first time, I felt like I just breathe. Hmm. And when, when that happened, it changed the atmosphere of our home and took our marriage to a new place. Wow, that's powerful.
2: I mean, I mean I, everybody listening is to go, okay, I want that. Yes.
1: And I saw it in him. Like I, when I walked with him, it's like walking with the peace of Christ. Hmm. He wasn't pressured. He wasn't rushed. He said, Brad, let me simplify the gospel. Just love the person in front of you and love them well. Did you guys, I mean, it sounds almost like it was simultaneous
2: for you that you both were arriving at this place kind of together. What about the spousal situation where one of them is you know, strongly putting their identity, their hope, their faith, their trust in the Lord, and they're coming at it in a rescue mentality like you've described, Marilyn, and the other is not. Moving quite the same way. How do you how do you counsel couples that are in that spot?
3: Right, that's really tough, and we counsel with people like that a lot. So in our first year, um, God really showed me my hope was in Him, and then Brad went to a conference not long after. It was later on our walk that we really got grace, and Brad got grace before me. And watching him has really get grace practically, and how it changed. The atmosphere in our home, God worked on me through that. So, really, he got when Doug helped him see what that looks like in action. It was a while of me watching and God moving that in me. But we talked to couples, they've been doing this for 20 years. Yeah. That's hard. Right. Well,
2: and your heart gets cold. mm -hmm. It like puts more crust on the heart. So, Mm -hmm. it takes more effort. Right. So that's why you guys, to get this in the first year of marriage, is actually quite a blessing. Yes. For those that are 20 years in, they got to do a lot of groundwork to break that crusty heart out. And it's
3: still just going to the Lord. That's the only place that we can then come with a humble spirit seeking to serve rather than be served that's the only way to be fueled yeah. especially in that environment let's introduce
2: now that idea of intentionality we haven't talked about that but uh, you know the need to be intentional in your marriage you've referenced it Brad you know you need to be committed you need to work at it but it is that word intentionality is quite accurate but describe it fill it in uh,
1: why are we lazy about it like Meryl said earlier, we just think our marriage should just work. We have this emotion that just drives us toward one another, and it just should just go well. And that's not the way anything goes. Your your car doesn't go well unless you maintain it consistently. You garden. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, the, probably the best thing we've done for our marriage, other than staying close to Christ, is we want to date once a week, and we have for the last 26 years. Yeah. And intentionality is saying, look— we're going to have a good marriage. We're going to fight for it. We're going to stiff arm the world. We're going to make time for it. We're going to do marriage differently than the world does marriage. And we're going to experience marriage differently than the world experiences marriage. But it takes intentionality. Folks in the family doesn't do these great things just by accident. Mm. A lot of work goes into it. And Marilyn and I's enjoyment of one another, it's because we we make ourselves talk, we make ourselves spend time together, and we're intentional with it. Now, let
2: me ask you this, especially for guys, if I could point to our direction, the guys that are listening, if that intentionality is not present, what does that pro- that mental process look like for the guy? It's the career, it's staying late at the office, it's you should respect me because I'm providing – I'm kind of filling in those blanks, but is that what, what you usually see in the defensive husband?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I heard one author, I'm not sure which one, that said, if anything comes ahead of your marriage other than Jesus, your marriage will slowly die. And whether that's work, whether that's ministry, whether that's exercise, you know, God-designed marriage as the most important horizontal relationship. For us, when we got married, the law practice came ahead of Maryland. And how'd that go for me? Mm-hmm. Poor. So the thing is putting your marriage where it belongs and giving your marriage off the top time. We're basically, we're going to schedule our life around our marriage, not our marriage around our life. Because most marriages just get fatigued leftovers. and They wonder why they struggle so much to enjoy one another. Yeah. But if you say, look, my marriage is important. I'm going to time block time and just spend time with and enjoy my spouse over time you'll find yourself wanting to spend time there.
2: Marilyn, let me let me cut a little closer to the issue with kids mm-hmm. because one of the things we talk about is maintaining a marriage centric mm-hmm. marriage as opposed to a kid centric right. marriage and people go oh yeah yeah but it, it's hard to do.
3: Oh we're in a child-centered culture.
2: Yeah. And, 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 and the
3: demand is high. The demand is high. And we have five children, so we've experienced that. I mean, there are times that going on a date felt like climbing a mountain to get out the door. Like, I was in tears, and I'm thinking, this is so hard. But our marriage is its important, and it's worth it. And one of the best things I can do for our kids is love their dad well. Mm-hmm. It's okay for our kids if we miss an event. That's actually a good example to them if they say, hey, my parents, they love each other, and this is our priority.
2: Yeah. No, it's good. I think it's great. But it is intentionality. is. I'm going to keep punching that word. Right,
3: and it's hard. It's hard, and there are dates that aren't great. And we've had stretches through crisis where um, it's not been fun. (laughs) It's like our relationship with Christ. Not every time we walk away from a quiet time do we feel like this great benefit, but over the long haul, if yeah, I'm pursuing the, the Lord for 20 years, our relationship's getting sweeter and sweeter. And so I even say a bad date's better than no date at all because yeah. you're in pursuit of your
1: spouse. And, and the lack of intentionality is what has resulted largely in the decline of marriage. Mm-hmm. There's a lack of intentionality in the church where, according to communion, 72% of churches have no marriage ministry. Then there's a lack of intentionality with marriage in the home. So if you don't intentionally take care of something, you leave a space open, Satan's going to have a field day in it. And we've just watched it, and it's been tragic. But the good news is it can change. Yeah. Every church can have a marriage ministry, and it can become standard operating procedure for marriages to date and to talk and to enjoy and to pursue. This is just how you do it when you get married.
2: Yeah. You mentioned personality and, and the overlay that that has, and you mentioned in the book an example of throwing a surprise birthday party for Marilyn. I think you and Jane are two peas in a pod because she would have the same reaction. Right, it was awful. But I think Brad and I alike, like, what more can I say that I love you than throw you a surprise party? It took a lot of effort. And you're going, I I, I don't want that. But what happened? It
1: fell apart. Oh, we drove up. And Marilyn Marilyn looked at me like, I was like, yeah, it was not good. It was not good. and it was You were proud of it until you got to the parking lot. We had had people drive in. Nothing Marilyn likes less than to put anybody out so people driving in from three hours to her oh. party it was just like putting her through an evening of pain and torture <laughs> so, i mean so yeah that feeling was like oh my goodness
3: he never gave me another one thankfully even when i turned 50 i'm like you know the drill here
2: <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't do, do that it's it. <laughs> so funny but it but it points to knowing your spouse well uh uh-huh. And uh, to not do the things that would make them uncomfortable. And yes. it's
1: trial and error. You don't get discouraged. So okay. just keep trying.
2: Yeah. Okay. So here's my dilemma. And Jean's, she listens to every show. So I know she's listening right now. <laughs> but, you know, so I thought about the girl. She has two girlfriends from elementary school. And they see each other once or twice a year. And so those two friends wanted to surprise her and come out to Colorado Springs. She hates surprises. And I know this. So now I have too much knowledge because I know mm-hmm. these two girls, they've called me and said, hey, are you guys going to be in town on this weekend? And we'd like to fly out and swoop Jean out of the house. And I was in a pickle. <laughs> so <laughs> I did spill the beans. And they had a wonderful weekend together. But I knew it would be far better if they showed up without, without her knowing. She would have been, what were you all thinking? Probably like you. Yes. Very practical. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be packed before they show up right No, It's all good. How do we love our spouses through knowledge and action like that? We're talking about it, but be maybe elaborate a bit more on that. Love and action. Love and action.
1: Yeah, it's just paying attention. I mean, you have an opportunity to be an expert lover of your spouse because like I'm with Marilyn every single day and if i pay close attention i know exactly what she likes what she doesn't like and then have an opportunity to hit the target well so if you grow in knowledge and then you act on it it's amazing what it does for a marriage and how it puts the love of christ on display a lot of us just settle under this norm we can tolerate and don't take advantage of the opportunity to really learn and it's unfortunate
0: this Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Financial Moments with Tom Copeland.
4: Several years ago, a pastor contacted me with respect to a couple to whom he had been providing some marriage counseling. His husband and wife had already separated, and he believed the marriage was over. However, he noticed they argued about finances often, so he referred them to me. I connected with this couple, assessed their financial situation, identified that they had been violating many biblical financial principles. I taught them God's word on finances. They went through our in-depth biblical financial study, Financial Management God's Way, and God, through his word and his spirit, changed the way they manage money. As they learned and applied God's financial principles, the financial stress decreased, and the marriage relationship gradually healed to the point that about one year later, they fell in love again. If you'd like to learn more about God's word on finances to protect your marriage, or if you would like to help save more marriages by supporting us financially, then go to our website, Ministries.org. Again, org.
0: Grooming, abuse, exploitation. Sadly, these are some of the horrors that young girls face around the world. But counseling, medical attention, and healing? These are some of the blessings that girls receive in safe houses run by the ministry Dignity Freedom Network. Your gift can be the promise to a brighter future. Restore freedom and dignity for children broken by injustice. Change a life forever at dfncanada.info, dfncanada.info. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming
2: crisis in uh, grace can be an issue. And I believe your, one of your daughters had a, a health scare. What happened and how did that put your grace marriage in, to focus?
3: Yes. One of our daughters had a grand mal seizure. I mm. thought she was dying in my arms. It was um, the end of her fifth grade year. And I had never seen yeah, that's one an experience. before. Yeah. And so it was, it was intense. At the time, we also had a newborn, and another one of our children, I was just learning, had issues in school. Uh. So we're going through testing and having things done, and it undid me. Yeah. I was sleeping with my daughter and my phone in my hand in case I needed to call 911 again. Mm. And it, we weren't getting clear answers as to what caused it or a clear diagnosis. And that was a crisis year. And I was a mess. And talk about crying is a a theme here. You can tell I'm one with tears. (laughs) But we went on a a date every week. And I was trying to hold it together in front of all the kids. But we would walk out the door and the tears would just start rolling. Those weren't fun dates. But they were, um, Brad, in that year, he really listened and tried to love me. And I did not have anything to offer. Mm. I was depressed, I was anxious. I would go on run, I mean I literally my just near panic attacks you know and yeah. it was it, it was all I could do to get through the day
2: yeah and, and I th- so appreciate that boldness of just sharing that because I can hear couples who are struggling with external things that mm-hmm. deeply affect them and they're going oh this all sounds great it's nice that you guys have that wonderful marriage but you don't know what we're dealing with
3: mm-hmm.
2: so that I mean that's real
3: mm-hmm. It was intense, and we've had a few different years where life has thrown hard, things like that. But that year, about a year in, the Lord lifted the clouds, and I called Brad, and I said, I'm actually happy today. I forgot what happy felt like. And I said, thank you. That you just loved me and didn't tell me all the things I should be doing. Because he could have told me, you need to be in the Word more. You need to have more faith. You need to be praying more. You're, you're getting up late. Like, the kids are walking in to wake him home. You need to get out of bed. We have to go to school. Yeah. Like, it wasn't pretty well-oiled machine mornings in i home getting ready for school with five yeah. kids when I'm depressed. And I said, if you had told me all those things I needed to do, you would have been right. And it would have buried me. But you just loving me and seeking to serve helped me out of the pit. I mean, the Lord used him to help me out of the pit rather than make me feel condemned in it.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, and it's so powerful. How did you in that environment – I mean, it was a year, you said, right, before you felt kind of getting back to normal. Mm -hmm. How how do you keep your hope and your eye on the idea that it will get better? Mm -hmm. Because it must feel like it will never get better.
3: Right. I don't know that I – Felt like it was going to get better. I just was so overwhelmed. It's just slowly um, the Lord helped me out of that. Well,
2: back to intentional consistency,
0: I would add. Brad, were there moments where you wondered, is this the way it's going to be?
1: Yeah, we didn't have any reason to believe it was ever going to get better. How do you you maintain during that? It's just I love Marilyn, and I really thought I want to be the guy to help her. Mm-hmm. I want to be that dude. So I really consider it a privilege, not a burden. I mean, she had nothing to give me, and that's back to the grace piece. If it's a performance-based marriage where it's, well, I, I'm not getting anything, it, it's going to break down, and every marriage hits that crisis point where one of the two spouses get to a point where they're just at the end of themselves and have nothing to give. Mm-hmm. So I'm in, I I remember thinking, I'm into death do his part, and I, I love Maryland not because what I get from Maryland. I just love Maryland. And I know Marilyn doesn't love me because she gets from me because there's stretches. She doesn't get much from me. But she just loves me. And that's the beauty of the gospel. God just loves Brad. Hmm. God just loves Marilyn. And it says, hey, love each other like I love you.
2: So why do we struggle feeling that, think, just even with the Lord?
1: Well, I think a couple of things. One, we're kind of taught the lie of somehow this world's going to satisfy us. And it, it's like pouring water through a net. You know, so we set marriages up for failure because we ask for, them for things that can never give. Only Jesus Christ can truly satisfy me, and even though sometimes it doesn't feel like God's coming through, you know, because like when I was in that point of severe anxiety, I know God is true, and he and he is bigger than my emotion. He is mm. bigger than my emotion. I have to live on truth, not emotion.
2: We're right at the end. I think, Marilyn, it's the right to throw this question in your direction because so many women are struggling. I mean, men struggle too, but we tend to have—I don't know—a little more tolerance. We're not as—we um, don't require quite the emotional. Maybe we—we we have other needs, mm-hmm. but so many women struggle in the marriage: the isolation, the loneliness. Is this ever going to get better? Mm-hmm. What's happening? So let me give you that opportunity to speak to the troubled wife Mm -hmm. who is in the pit of despair, who doesn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. What hope do you have for her today?
3: I would say seek help. Seek out help. I did have someone who was pouring into me during that year who was loving on me and counseling me, so get help, you know, Brad and I have, when we've been in harder spaces, sought outside counsel it's so important and like you said hope restored it's so important to acknowledge that you have needs and you need help especially Mm. if you're in that place if it is um in the day-to-day struggles of life but marriage hasn't delivered what you thought it would be kind of like brad and i are sharing here there's not the huge issues that need to be addressed then if you will be fueled by the lord i mean christ came to give life life to the full. Right. Not in the easy. Christ's right. life wasn't easy. And our lives are not going to be easy, but we can have life to the full if we go to Him and say, okay, show me how you want me to love my spouse today. What does that look like to creatively love the person that I've committed till death do us part? Yeah. And watch what the Lord's going to do.
2: That's a great challenge to wake up every morning and say that mm-hmm. to yourself,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, in your quiet time with the Lord. Well, this has been great. Brad and Marilyn, how wonderful I so appreciate your again your vulnerability it's mm-hmm. It's kind of tough to talk about marriage and what was happening years ago and how far you 've come but it's what many of us live you know if not all of us uh, we're either in that early stage of we 're in trouble or the better stage of the Lord has answered our prayers Mm -hmm. and everything in between. So thanks for being here today. I hope you will get a copy of this great book, The Grace Marriage, especially if you're struggling. uh, We want to put this into your hands. So order your copy today through Focus on the Family Canada. And like I often say, when you do, the money goes right back into ministry, providing hope and help to families across Canada. We do rely on your prayers and financial support to further the reach of Focus Canada. And we want to be available to help your family
0: and others like you. So please become a ministry partner today. Yeah, we'll link over to Brad and Marilyn's ministry so you can learn more about what they've been doing with churches. And certainly we welcome your donations and requests for Uh, this book, The Grace Marriage, and we'd be more than happy to tell you about our Hope Restored Marriage Intensives. We're a phone call away. It's 800, the letter A in the word family, uh, 800-232-6459, or stop by focusonthefamily.ca for all the details. And on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.